Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer, bang, bang, it's good, Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer. Don't miss a beat, whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four, for four, welcome to the NBA. The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. What's up? No intro needed. We just have to get right into it. There's too much. It's too messy. It's too amazing. The trade deadline ended last night. Uh, I I have no words still. It's taking me a whole day. I still don't have words. So why don't why don't you lead us here? Why don't you get us down into the craziness that happened yesterday? Okay. Well, there were there were some there were some big trades, and luckily for you, this is why you're so excited. Some of the uh, the big me came me bulls. <laughs> And obviously, uh, we'll look at that. We'll look at the magic side of things. They've they've get, kind of cleared out all their their star players, and they're heading towards a rebuild. And their main star is now playing as a Chicago Bull. Nikola Vucevic is out of Orlando and headed for Chicago for Otto Porter, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., and a couple of first rounders. What what can you give me? What can you give me? Um, one. Um, I'm probably still drunk off this trade. <laughs> like I, I still don't have like really cohesive thoughts because it's just so unreal, but he, he, here's the first one. Um, Arturis Karnaschovas, Eversley, that whole new management group that they brought in last year, man, they are, they are good. They are something else. And like, you don't talk a lot about, about, um, GMs they kind of just manage the business side and you have some characters here and there, but they're silent assassins. Like you didn't hear a single word about this trade the whole time from the beginning of the year till now, a lot of the Lonzo connections have been there, but besides that, there hasn't been a single piece of news, none connecting them in for Vucevic, but like, like how, how many other GMs do you know that have been able to do things like this? Like hire Billy Donovan. Um, no one knew that they were going to do it. Hire, uh, Draft Patrick Williams. They didn't even know they were scouting him. He actually wasn't even training with other teams because of how they uh, interviewed him back in the summer. And then now this, getting Vucevic, and they weren't even mentioned. It's it's insane to me. Not even Woj himself could snag onto a whisper of this deal happening until it was signed, until it was inked. I I, I don't know what to say besides that. When my first thoughts came up, it's it's insane. And what do you what, what do you think? Oh, uh, Nicola's gonna gonna bring gonna bring to the Bulls now for the rest of rest of this season and beyond. Man, it's just to think about the immediate encore impact. Like you just have to think about the delta between Wendell Carter Jr., a guy that I really love. I love his character. I love his work ethic. I love how he's really committed to getting better. But I mean, you just brought in an All Star center, arguably a top five center in the league. Um, a guy who's doing unbelievable things offensively this year. Interesting enough, him and Zach Levine, you know, when you, when you talk about duos offensively right now, stat-wise, 
they're in that conversation as the best duo in the league. One of them, because I mean, they among Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving are the only players averaging 24 plus points, 40% from three on six three point attempts per game. The way that the modern NBA game is now offensively, you can't think of a better duo. And it's, it's, it's really going to be a wonder to watch the synergy between the two on the courts. I mean, he's going to bring his own game, uh, which, which we well know. Um, but the way that his game is going to combine with Zach Levine's it's, it's really, I'm very curious to see how much of a new level they'll both unlock for each other as players. Yeah. I think that was kind of a big thing when I saw the trade go down, it's just, I was actually getting getting set to write, write an article about the Bulls uh, talking about how they need to start making some moves to impress Zach Levine uh-huh. in order to stay. And then I see this move and I'm just like, yeah, well, they, 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 <laughs> they, they've they answered the call. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, it's, oh, it's going to be so interesting when you look at the history of, of how this team has changed over the past year. Like we're not even a full year into this new management and to look back and see that they made the biggest deal arguably since getting Rodman. Like th- this is the biggest deal besides acquiring Dennis Rodman in the nineties for MJ. Like they did this for Zach Levine. They committed to their guy in a way that, you know, a lot of people, you know, they think very long-term they think, you know, you got to win a championship now. How can you do that? Okay. You go into the draft. Like we were talking about team building a lot of this, this uh, common thought, I feel like in the national media is that you need to draft the best guy. And then that's the guy that you build around. And if you don't have draft assets, blah, 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 then it's not going to work. But dude, like how, how many Zion Williamson's are there? How many LeBron James are there? Like for them to invest in a known quantity, Zach Levine, and then get another one. I I think it's, it's really, the sky's a limit right now in, in terms of, of, uh, the Eastern conference, how, how much parody there is right now. I think everyone still has a chance to, to argue that they're maybe the third, third best team in the East. I don't think that's solidified yet. So you, do you think this move is going to guarantee you guys a, a, a place in there in, in the playoffs this year? Oh, a- absolutely. Absolutely. I, I honestly don't. And it, and it really, for me, it depends on, again, I just told you I'm still drunk off this trade. <laughs> I might, I might come, I might come back down and I, I've not let the doomsday scenarios to like go into mind, but I think, you know, they can definitely argue that they could secure themselves a top eight seed um, without the, um, and then possibly even, you know, shoot for the six seed, trying to avoid the, the playing tournament. I, I don't think that's impossible. I, you know, the, I think the difference for me right now is that wasn't an even remote possibility three days ago. The fact that that's a remote possibility, like me originally thinking eight seed, that was me thinking very big. So for, for you to be giving me this much more ammo, like I, I think that the way Zach Levine's played, I think the way that Billy Donovan has created a successful um, energy and strategy for this team, it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility running. If, if you let me get on this this soapbox, you'll never tear me down in, until the end of the season. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to stay. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the way it's meant to be. Uh, other other move that, that, that you guys made, you got Daniel Tice in after you made that trade for, for Mo Wagner, and then you move Wagner on for Daniel Tice. What do you what do you think of that that addition for your Bulls? I mean, Vucevic, that was like the uh, 
that was a perfectly medium rare cooked steak that came right out on a platter. And this was the the potatoes, the, <laughs> some delicious golden potatoes. For them to pull off a trade like that, you know, most organizations are, are really going to be their full energy is focusing on one trade. And you don't see, you know, you don't see like a lot of trades made in succession that makes sense because there's just no time. I mean, everyone's making calls. You don't know where your assets are going. So it takes so much preparation that we don't look into. And I mean, I didn't mean to turn this podcast into a whole GM thing, but the business I have is honestly fascinating when it comes down to the wire, because for them to have gotten another move that turned three negative assets for them into three meaningful players, like they traded Hutch who hasn't played a single game this season, hasn't shown anything, you know, besides some, random stretches of good rebounding and, and playing up and down the court. But he was not a guy that we were invested in long-term. Same thing with Gafford. We, we didn't see him as a long-term guy. So to get off of those two and get in a no, another known quantity, Daniel Tice, he's a fantastic addition. And as a starter for the Celtics, you know, he was a solid player. And for him to shore up the bench, to shore up our, our secondary and our interior defense. And, you know, you get, you need that now that Wendell is gone. So for them to make that move. And on top of that, Troy Brown jr. You know, I, I'm a big fan of him. I'm a big fan of his potential in this league. So for them to regain another asset after sending Wendell off, it's, it's impressive how balanced and aggressive this was of a move. Yeah. I think uh, you don't really see it too often at, at, at this late stage, especially when you haven't heard anything about it, you see this aggressive move, like not, not just the first step, which is obviously Vucevic. He's the main one. But they're able to to work the deal to get in uh, a guy like guy like Tice and another and a young, another young asset in Brown. It, it's it's great work out of the Bulls, and you just hope that uh, I'm not going to be able to deny you uh, your your excitement uh, coming coming down the line. Uh, just looking forward now to the next step is now getting to see the, the, these new guys on the floor uh, together as a team, and that that's uh, something to look forward to for for you. Uh, any fans around the league because it's going to be a fun watch. Yeah, it's a, it's such a good feeling, honestly, the way you said it, because I love that, you know, we're, we're on a podcast here where we say it, it's by the fans. We're not like pretending to be analysts out here. You know, we love, we'll analyze the game, enjoy it. But just having that hope, like you get some hope. I don't think Chicago's had hope in a while. I, and I think for them to have this on top of Zach Levine right now, it gives everyone a chance to really to buy in. I think it's going to be huge in that aspect. Um, but listen, I'll, I'll kindly step down from the soapbox and I'll, I'll join the rest of everyone else. Cause besides the bulls, there were some other interesting trades. And I think, you know, we talked about Tice. I think we naturally got to talk about Boston and man, what a disappointment, what a, a predictable, sad day for a guy who just doesn't understand that, you know, he's losing the reins of the franchise. Well, Danny H what happened? Yeah, well, they, they picked up one of the scraps from uh, from Orlando and uh, not much else. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> it's it's always so close. Every single time it's so close. And man, if you heard his um his interview, the words he said were just so absurdly tone deaf. You know, he, he, he literally is saying that, you know, they they didn't really want to make a big move because uh, they don't really feel the pressure. He doesn't feel the pressure to be making a big move. How is there no pressure? Like, what is he talking about? What, what is he saying? Like this whole season is hinging on failure and he didn't feel a lot of pre- like that was so tone deaf for a fan base. Who's just rabid 
<laughs> at how indecisive and conservative he's been and and how it's all talk and no action and they're sick of it man it's it's not just it's not frustration it's turning into apathy and for a franchise that's got two young budding stars for this to be the the tone and the song of the franchise after what they've accomplished over the past couple of years it's sad i don't i don't understand it yeah i think that was that's that that comment that he made i think that was kind of a uh, an element of just him thinking a lot of himself saying yeah. that there, there isn't any pressure he just obviously yeah. thinks he's done a great job and that well, <laughs> how, how could anyone think that he, he's not the best man for the job or anything like that I mean don't get me wrong the, the way the Boston roster is currently set I, I do believe that they are capable of going on a run and kind of turning it to a more acceptable year mm-hmm. but at the same time if they really wanted to kick on from last year they had to make some sort of move here and don't get me wrong, Evan Fournier has been a been a solid player for the Magic, and he he could add something to this team, but it's not the move that this Boston team needed. Oh my God, no! And he he was he was the sloppy seconds of the Magic trade sweepstakes that occurred this year. And you know, it's funny. The first thing he tweeted out is Boston. If you don't know my name, Google it. <laughs> did you see that? I did. I did. Yeah, did you Google it? I didn't. I didn't take didn't take the time out to, to, to Google. Wait, are you serious? You didn't Google it. All right, so on live podcast, I'm here to inform you that Fournier is a gangrene. It's an acute necrotic infection of the scrotum. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> that's what it is. Well, that's what that's hope that's not what it is for Boston anyway. I think that's <laughs> a worry for them. <laughs> what 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 a what a symbolic haul for the guy who's becoming just a gangrenous infection of the of the Celtics franchise and you just can't help but feeling like they just need to cut it off you got to amputate it there there's some gangrenous parts of this team and they didn't do anything to to fix it man the the bs response that he had about you know it's and these are all true these these are all true lies because Evan Fournier is a fantastic player. He's averaging 20 points, one steal, almost four assists. He's not a, he's not a bad rebounder for his size. And, you know, he's a guy that's going to be a very steady shooter for them. That helps him a lot. So, you know, there are some positives to this, but for him to talk about Evan Fournier as, as the guy that he wanted, like he was like, Oh, I, I did my, yeah, I did my homework, you know, not a pressure to make a big move. So we got the second best guy on purpose. That was my plan. Like, no, like you wanted Vucevic and you weren't willing to give up enough for him. And, you know, I think for them to have wasted their treasure trove of, of assets, all their picks that they got from those, those trades when they were first rebuilding, that's all gone. They, they, they don't have the fuel to make this go anymore. So for them to miss out on that, that might be the last star trade that they have in them, unless they're really willing to get risky with one of their stars. Yeah, absolutely. And I think obviously there was talk of them with Vucevic and, and Aaron Gordon as well. And obviously they couldn't they couldn't yeah, put out enough to get to get either of them. And he wasn't sloppy just, seconds. Yeah, He's sloppy. <laughs> Is there one for thirds? <laughs> <laughs> like you literally had to go and just uh, okay, well, Orlando doesn't want to give us their two best players, but it'll give us the third best. And I think uh, I think that was basically okay, let's make this deal because it kind of sort of looks like we're we're doing something, but really we're not really doing anything. Yeah. And it, I, I didn't even think about that in, in this moment here, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more 
about uh, <laughs> thinking more about Evan Fournier and, and I'm not even thinking about Aaron Gordon. And, and that's, that would have been such a great addition for them, right? In order for them to really have, you know, small ball with, with, uh, with Williams, Grant Williams, it's, it's good. You know, like there's, there's promise in that, but small ball with Aaron Gordon, that would have been something really, really interesting. I think they would have really unlocked something different. I mean, having the the defensive versatility uh, between him and Jalen Brown and Marcus uh, or Marcus Smart, that would have been something. Um, the way that he could he could play alongside Jason Tatum, that really would have been interesting. Um, uh, and man, and, and you get you know Evan Fournier is a fine player. You know, don't get me wrong, that's the thing, but it's. It's a gangrenous, gangrenous infection. <laughs> what it is. So let, let's 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 talk about the impact Gordon's gonna have on the team. He did move to, of course, he yep. was always being rumored. Yep. He put in that trade request, and now he is a member of the Denver Nuggets. Listen, I, I don't know. Can you? Do we need a whiteboard behind your head? You always have the same wall there. I'm always <laughs> moving around. I'm I'm like a nomad wherever I'm <laughs> podcasting in this house. You need, you need a whiteboard back there that has our predictions on it. We'll just check them off because we talked about this. That, that, was, that was something we wanted to see and and uh we've previewed it we, we've run through those hypotheticals and he's going to be such a good replacement for jeremy grant honestly like that jeremy grant uh two-way forward who could guard multiple positions and be just a solid offensive player you know he, he's going to give them all the defense that they've missed out on from jeremy grant and, th- and that's huge. That's huge for them, especially the way that they've been playing and, and clicking offensively. Um, and not only that, I, I think I think that they're going to to be able to rely on Aaron Gordon on the offensive end, too. You know, that that's a guy that you can uh, play more heavy minutes with your with your bench. You don't have to rely on Jokic all the time to just be this playmaking uh, forward. I think he can take a little bit of that. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing we keep on talking. We've been talking about it so much is that how big of a loss it was losing Jeremy Grant for the Nuggets and the impact he was having on them throughout the season with even with Jokic playing as well as he is and the team do, doing doing quite well. And the way they've made this move now, that's gonna it's gonna just drive them to being where you can consider them capable of making the same sort of push in the playoffs that they did last year. I know it was kind of a, a shock last year and we saw it, but now this year, I think mm. before, before this move, I was thinking, no, maybe they'll get out of the first round. Now that I see the, the, the move to get Aaron Gordon in and what they, they had to give up, I don't think they had to give up too much, really. And now I'm kind of like, yeah, if, if I saw them in, in a similar position uh, in the Western Conference this year, it would not surprise me at all. Oof, man, you know, when the Magic were <laughs> when the Magic were riding that wave in the playoffs and in the bubble, you were starting to get this feeling of, oh man, this this franchise, you know, they've got something. They're they're turning things around. They can, they got a future all NBA uh, or all all team uh, all NBA defense in Jonathan Isaac. You really might might have something in reviving the career of a former number one overall pick. Um, you have an all star type player in Vucevic. Aaron Gordon is is this solid star role player that was really a convincing team for me thinking about the future and the way that they've quickly fallen out of that this year and now they're blowing it up i mean this franchise is stuck man it's crazy it's crazy they don't have any sort of trajectory 
to writing the ship. They, they've tried it so many times since Dwight Howard and it's, it's just been, it's been a slog. It's sad to see. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just going to be interesting now. You hope uh, Fultz and, and Isaac uh, come back healthy to start next season. And it's just going to be their team. You, that's the way it's looking anyway, mm-hmm. depending on where they end up in the draft maybe as well. But it, it, it should be interesting to see what those two guys can do when the, when they when they're handed the keys and we'll really get to see the potential of, of two young guys that, when they were brought into the league, had potential for stardom, and now we're going to get the get the clearest view we've we've had since since they were drafted to uh, to see if they if they if they can match that potential. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe it's too soon to be negative. Maybe you look back and you get you see where they get in the lottery. Say the Bulls don't even make the playoffs this year, and they get their pick. They got two high picks, and they re up in a draft that is considered to be, you know, having foundational pieces. They if the Bulls somehow you know, there's a possibility they choke it up in the, in the latter half of the season, they have a tough schedule ahead of them. If they choke it up and they end up landing at say five, (laughs) that would be the highest that it's uh, out of protection. And then the, the magic hit the lottery and they get another top five pick, you know, walking out of this situation after this trade deadline, trading two, you know, older, three older players that might not have been in their long-term plans and then ending up with two top five picks in a loaded draft. That's, you know, that's a pretty quick win. You know, I'm, I'm not going to downplay that at all, mm-hmm. but I guess that's, that's when we were talking about team building, you know, the, the different timelines, it, it's matter. It does definitely matters here. And how quickly a team decides that timeline is a little bit further out than they originally imagined um, that, def- that ends up being success long-term or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Jen, the big trade we got to talk about is, is Mr. Mr. Victor Oladipo. <laughs> Houston fans are just going crazy because they're analyzing this as everything that they got for Harden, and uh, it's it's just a pathetic return the way that that Houston are looking at it at this very moment. Yeah, but they had to deal out of Depot. He did not want to sign a deal with with the Rockets, so they had to make a move. But uh, he's gone to Miami, and let's be honest, they got a pretty measly uh, package from from the Miami Heat. But oh my god. It is a it's, it's a great it's a great pickup for Miami and that's going to boost them right up now heading towards the postseason. Oh man, it's you know we were really getting creative with all the different Victor Oladipo trades and for this to be the one, they didn't get Hero, they didn't even get Robinson, they didn't get Achua, they got zero young players, and guess uh, guess who they gave up for Victor Oladipo, Karis Levert who just had a nice few games with the, with the Pacers looking healthy, looking like the, the same young star that he was turning into. And you just turned that into Avery Bradley, Kelly, Kelly Olenek, and a, a, a pick swap. That's, that's a real kick in the balls, man. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a tough one to swallow. And it's it's sadder for Houston, but man, for Miami, you're right. Like the tune of Twitter just completely flipped. Man, they were watching Vucevic go, they were watching Aaron Gordon go, they were watching all these teams making trades. Um, they saw Norman Powell go. They didn't get Kyle Lowry, and they're like, "What's going on?" And then, boom, that's a pretty nice consolation prize. Like, there's always that team that that gets left out, and they have to just send off someone for like a second round pick, which kind of feels like what you know 
New York and, and OKC was. That was just one of those, well, all right, we got to make a trade. All right, we'll make a trade. Here's here's Terrence Ferguson for uh, Austin Riffers and uh, a couple of second round picks. We don't want those. Tom, Tom Thibodeau doesn't, doesn't want second round picks. What is he going to do with those? But like this was a really nice consolation after all the uh, the good moves have already been made. And to get him on that sort of value, um, my, my Miami, this is my hot take. And, I, and I'm not, maybe I'm dishing him out because I'm still a little drunk from all these trades. <laughs> but I think that Miami has the only defensive ingredients to cook something up to defend the Nets. Because I, I really don't look in the East and see anybody who has enough defensive firepower to stop the Nets insurmountable offensive output. You know, I don't, I don't think anyone can say they have a fraction of, of what Miami could uh, to throw at them offensively. You know, that that's a whole other question. They've just looked pretty, pretty sluggish and pretty incohesive, but you know, defensively, you know, they, they might have a shot. So if they can figure things out on the offensive end, you know that they can they can do some damage defensively. Yeah, big thing that they, they're looking at is that they've got guys who usually tend to bring their best form when they get into playoff basketball mm-hmm. on yeah. the offensive end, which is it, it is a big uh, big up for them. Now it's just kind of a, a question really for the rest of the regular season of just kind of becoming more consistent really. They've kind of been in and out of, of win runs and, and then the kind of heavy loss runs. Yeah. And Tyler Harrow kind of laid down a marker last night, basically saying, this is why you, you were right to keep me with that. Uh, he dropped 29 points. Obviously it was in vain as they lost to, uh, to the Blazers, but he's having an impact yeah, coming off the bench again. And if he can get back to the sort of form he was delivering last year, hopefully Bringing in Oladipo, that should inspire Harrow to want to play better, to kind of dem- – yeah. he's going to have to work harder to demand more minutes on the court. And you hope that bringing in a guy like Oladipo, that can have that positive impact on Tyler Harrow. Yeah, now that's funny when you say that because, you know, they're bringing in Victor Oladipo um, not just to be this defensive guy, but because offensively, like, he's – there. I think they're – seeing that he's the guy that Tyler Hero just isn't right now. I think it it might be the unfortunate truth that, you know, if if Tyler Hero is going to be that sort of reliable scorer, maybe he can't do it starting. Maybe he can't do it with heavy minutes. Maybe he needs to have his, his role reduced for right now. As Victor Oladipo, he's got to really step things up efficiency-wise if he's going to be um, going to out-compete Hero. Because like you said, if, if he's showing into form right now, but Victor Oladipo is kind of in the slump right now, his effective field goal percentage is barely over 50%. I mean, his free throw percentage is crazy. He's shooting 63% right now, 37% from uh, uh, from three. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that that competition is going to turn out in Hero's favor if, if he really gets into form. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I think, yeah. Um... I don't know what to think really with Miami. I think obviously we know it's a it's a it was a great move that they made getting in all the depot. Now it's just a question of seeing how it works. Getting but Butler has still been as solid as solid as ever. Bam's having another big year. If Oladipo can just kind of slip into this team and just become 
just see what the kind of the synergy is on the court together. If that if it works out well, it's gonna it's gonna really boost up this Miami team and it's gonna get them into a position where they're gonna maybe the they'll they'll be looking at the four or five spot because let's be honest, the top three I think is probably set in in the Eastern Conference. I'm thinking it's gonna be Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee, whatever order it finishes up in. But the four and five spots there, they're, they're still very much open because it's, it's it's a tight it's a tight battle in there. But Miami are gonna have to be expecting to push on now that they've made this this move. And if they don't, they could end up in a bit of trouble if they if they end up low low or maybe even if it goes real bad for them and they're kind of battling around in there around the playing game. I think yeah, the playing tournament that that could be a real nightmare for them, but. I think it's going to work out well, and I think they're going to be able to to really get back to the form they showed last year. Now they made this trade. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. That's it's undeniable that um, that they've added talent, and I think also um, I, I think that they have more more to gain from within. They they definitely haven't played to form, and the same thing with the Celtics. You know, we could see the Heat and the Celtics really turn things on in the second part of the season, and. Uh, and there's a lot of teams that, that I wanted to talk about that, you know, weren't heavily active. Maybe they just didn't have the firepower, but um, the Bucks haven't really come to mind at all because we've known from the beginning of the season that they're, they're stuck. They're, they kind of got what they, they have. So I think to see the East get even better while the Bucks can't do anything else has to be a little, a little bit scary right now. They're, they're just going to have to hope that the moves they've made were enough. Yeah, definitely. Um that's that's kind of that's 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 all they can hope for, really. I think uh, one of their ex-players, old George Hill, making the move to, to the 76ers. That's a great pickup for them. I think he never really kind of settled in OKC. I think he wanted out of there the second that he got there. He was on vacation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I think that that's a great pickup for for Philadelphia. So there's another improvement that they're making to their roster. And. Uh, one one interesting one I want to talk about is is the trading of a couple of vets in uh, Rondo and Lou Williams. So I'd like to see uh, w- w- get your take on, on that trade. Well, it's easy to see here who the biggest winner of this trade is. Like, right? It's obvious. It's Ma- Magic City. Ma- Magic City really won out here. They got their big customer back. Uh, Lou Williams is just going to be a huge financial asset for them. They're, they're the biggest winners of uh, of this trade. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually think the the Clippers, you know, people have really been down on Rondo, and he hasn't gotten enough credit of how he plays in the playoffs. I mean, he's he was an integral part of the Lakers, especially defensively, and especially playmaking. You know, that's that's a steady hand that survives the fire of a really tough playoff uh, run. And he's, he's somebody that honestly, the Clippers needed more than Lou Williams. They didn't need Lou Williams to be um, a scorer as badly as they need Rajon Rondo to be a defensive and off a a leader on both sides of the ball in a, in a tough playoff series. He also knows how LeBron works. Like he's going to be a guy that really is going to be integral if they want to take down the King. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think I, I I know when I saw that that Rondo was not going to be resigning with the Lakers, I knew I instantly thought that that was going to be a big miss for them come playoff time, no matter who they were going to get in. And I think he was third choice. I think the Clippers were linked with Ball, and then linked with a move for mm-hmm. Larry as well. Mm-hmm. Well, 
he's still uh, he's still a guy that can bring so much to a team. And yeah, like you said, he 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 he's a lot more valuable to the Clippers than Lou William Lou Williams was. Obviously, Lou Williams had a bit of a bad reaction to uh, to being dealt, saying that he <laughs> almost considered retirement and all that. But I think yeah. It's a, it's just, a, it's a smart move from the Clippers. I think it was, it was good that they were able to get something done after kind of failing with uh, with Lonzo and with uh, Kyle Lowry, and probably won't see the real impact of having Rondo on the team until we get to playoff time. That's when you really, we're really going to see the best of, of Rondo in this Clippers team. <laughs> yeah, and it, you, you mentioned it though with with Atlanta, uh, man, Lou Williams, he's the loser in this. That sucks. He the situation he just went from to be contending amongst other vets and to be in LA. I mean, that, that's you're getting sent back to. It, it's funny, you know, going back to Atlanta hometown. But look at the team around him. It's a bunch of young guys and a weird roster that's struggling right now, and a team that's not quite sure where they're going. And if he hasn't checked out now, yes, he's going to be checked out soon enough. And another loser. I mean, think about Bogdan. Let's talk about some Hawks right now. All right, how they, what they did this uh, at this trade deadline. Um, Bogdan signed this contract, this big contract, expecting to be a big contributor, expecting to be a, you know, and I mean the Hawks did also expect him to contribute more, but you know, the the way that that signing has, has gone out, it's, it's not been the match that people really expected. No, no, it hasn't. I think uh, obviously now they've lost Rondo. He's one of the signings that the Hawks made in the summer. I think none of the signings really that the Hawks made uh, in, in the, uh, the past off season have really worked out. I think injuries have been a problem, COVID, everything else, but I think it, they were kind of moves they just made because they were able to make them. They didn't, I don't think there was really a plan around bringing the guys in. I think they were just like, okay, we have to be in, in the talks for these guys. We have to be able to make these guys an offer to make them want to come here. But so far, it just hasn't really clicked in any way, shape or form. Obviously they got the new coach in. They've gone on a bit of a run, but, uh, you have to think there's still a lot of there's going to be a lot of movement uh, around this uh, Hawks roster before they're really set to really do anything. And it's it's funny how many players you you heard mentioned at the trade deadline: Collins, Reddish, and it to see them not moved. I don't know if that's a sign for me that they're continuing to build with this team or a sign that you know they just simply couldn't get a deal done like are they just in talent evaluation mode on a team that they tried to cobble together in one offseason to be a playoff contender or are they evaluating like i i'm not i'm seeing a lost vision in a way in how they've built this team since they got trey and um it's it's not you know it's not as dire as it would be maybe two years from now but it's it's definitely not a step in the right direction for a franchise that we have come to see as a, a bright and budding franchise. Yeah, absolutely. I think the main thing we just got to keep an eye on now is uh, is John Collins. Let's see what happens with him in the summer. It's looking likely that he's going to move elsewhere, but maybe I'll stay. And if he does move on, let's see what way the Hawks decide to to, to play it on. Uh, 
after that. I think that's kind of the main thing to, to, to watch with this Hawks team. Obviously, they've gone on a little, little bit of a run. They went on an 8-0 run under the new uh, the new coach to kind of be in the conversation where it's not crazy to think that they'll be in the playoffs this year. But I think there's a lot of question marks surrounding the, the, mm-hmm. the roster. So it's just kind of a question. We wait and see what happens with John Collins and what way the, the, the Hawks decide to play it from there. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, the way that Collins has been shopped around and not and not really considered by this team on, in a few different ways. Um, it, it feels like, you know, the divorce was coming, the papers were filed, and then they realized how like expensive it was to, to get divorced. And they're like, just like ah, I guess we'll just try and work on this. We'll see what happens. It was just like, it's, it's not an inspiring uh, relationship right now. And I would have been really excited to see Collins get dealt somewhere where he can contribute in a more meaningful way. I, I, I think that he has, a, he has a lot more to grow. I would have been interested to see if he um, joined the Celtics, that, that, that would have been a really, um, that would have been a really interesting pairing there in their, in their front court, what they needed from a rolling shooting big like him. But like you said, we'll, we'll, so we'll see. They're, they're going to have to be patient. They don't have a lot of choices left, and they didn't make a lot of moves that people expected them to make. But um, what, what, what else have we got here? I want to talk about your, your Knicks. What, what, can you explain that to me besides the, uh, like, like I said, the, the uh, let's make a trade just because it's a trade deadline? Like, what, what was that? What was that all about? I get the feeling they just got a call to, to help make a deal work. And they were they were happy to oblige. I mean, Austin Rivers was <laughs> wasn't really in the plans for the yeah. team. I think Ferguson's not really going to have too big of an impact in any way, whether that be on the floor or to the the cap space or anything like that. So I think they kind of got a call <laughs> to be involved, and they just kind of were like, "Yeah, okay, we're we're down for that." The only description that you have for Terrence Ferguson's impact is, "Yeah, I'll be on the floor. Like he has legs." He can do- <laughs> I, th- I think I think Ferguson. We've been intrigued about Ferguson for four years, actually. So maybe they, we gotta we gotta hold off. We gotta let go of of our predictions of players. So yeah, you're right. He's he's not anything. And uh, so I guess I guess the Knicks are just they're gonna be like the old Bulls, the way they just give us second round picks for nothing for for Oklahoma City, who now has 34 picks. Next seven drafts. 34 picks in the next. Seven drafts. <laughs> they could draft three NBA rotations in the next seven drafts. <laughs> uh, here, okay, we all know OKC has used up all their luck in drafting when they when they got KD, Westbrook, and then Harden. They they, they used up all the luck they were ever going to get in the draft. To, they they got to wait another another little while before they get they they have the, they have the look of the draft again. Oh my god. Um, Oh, we, we need we need to talk about Norman Powell. That that's not getting enough praise. That trade right there. What, what were your first thoughts? We we have Portland trading Norman Powell or getting Norman Powell, a guy who right now I mean he's we we give a lot of shine to Jordan Clarkson. I mean in his own right, he's been a a high octane bench scorer like no other, like a Jordan Clarkson this year. Um, but Portland to get him and trade out Gary Trent Jr. And Rodney Hood, Rodney Hood being a guy who hasn't really shown much since a couple spurts a year back. And Gary Trent Jr., still a young guy, not necessarily the kind of guy that you 
buy in long term just yet. Um, what, what did you think of this trade overall? Yeah, I think it was a great pickup for the Blazers. I think the Blazers needed to make a move without kind of changing too much. And uh, obviously, he was a guy that a lot of teams are being linked with. I think a lot of teams were eyeing up Norman Pell. A lot of contenders are eyeing up Norman Pell to to improve their their roster heading towards the the postseason. And I think the Blazers were smart and they got in there and were able to give a give an offer that the Raptors were intrigued by. Obviously, they couldn't get it. No one was able to to build up an offer to get Kyle Lowry to bite, but they were able to get a, a move done for for Norman Pell. Obviously, little little bit of a difference, but. It's good for the Blazers. It, it, it's a smart move for them, and it's great to see them actually be able to execute a, a move like this. The weirdest thing about this whole thing is I saw that 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 stupid thing that someone looked up that like Gary Trent uh, Senior was traded in like his third year and three hundred and thirty three days at the deadline or something. And apparently, this is like the exact same thing with Gary Trent Junior or something ridiculous. Really, I was just thinking, who the hell has the time to look up something? <laughs> You got to find, I mean, dude, that got traction. You, you, you saw it on Twitter that that is the, <laughs> that is the deepest parts of uh, NBA Twitter <laughs> that people are, people are just like seeking through the, the deep annals of history <laughs> to find that out. Basketball reference is crazy. Um, I, I don't know where, where they find these things out. Like they're, they're on the encyclopedia all day doing some crazy <laughs> stuff, but I'm uh, Gary Trent Jr. He, He's a guy that fits the timeline of the Raptors. He fits this youth movement. If they don't end up re-signing Kyle Lowry, you know, you you have that that two guard spot to open up if you have Fred VanVleet playing there full time, mm-hmm. and you have your young starting lineup of Fred VanVleet. Um, you have OG Ananobi. You have um, Pascal Siakam, and to add Gary Trent Jr. to that, you know, that's that's the kind of of transition I think they they're getting prepared to make. I, I, I don't think they're they're necessarily going into rebuilding mode, but for them to recoup a young asset, it kind of shows where Masai is, is headed for this franchise. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you, you li- I like the, the the kind of the way that the Raptors are going. Obviously with Kyle Larry, it's kind of, it seems a bit strange. I think the way some comments were being made and people were just deciding that he was going to leave. And I think, they were happy to shop him because you kind of get the feeling now that, that, that he's probably not going to stay with Toronto. But it's it's kind of like they're, 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 they seem to be preparing well to kind of move on to the next phase. And obviously they've got their their, their main guys with the likes of uh, Ananobi, obviously the sign Van Fleet and Siakam, although he might not be in the good books at all, Nick Nurse, after that little bust up there uh, last week. But uh, and that, Apparently that was overblown. That, that's what... Nurse said, but of course, you know, he has to say that. Yeah. But. <laughs> Who are you backing in a fight there? Are we going with Siakam or are we going with Nick Nurse? Uh, I, I don't know. Nick, Nick Nurse looks like a a mean, bare-knuckled boxer. <laughs> he looks like the kind of guy that would just uh, smash your mug over your head and just <laughs> beat you to death. Damn right. But uh, anyway, <laughs> on to actual, actual conversations, yeah. But I think they, they're, they seem to be preparing well if they're moving on to kind of a new phase without kind of having to go through the whole rigmarole of a complete overhaul, complete rebuild where you're just looking to the draft. These I've got a lot of young assets and if they continue to develop the, the way that they're going at the moment, they could be a really intriguing team over the next few years in the Eastern Conference. 
Yeah, I I think that uh, that's that's kind of their title now. They're going to be an intriguing team. Intriguing is like our nice our nice way. <laughs> We're not mean on this podcast. We don't we don't say bottom feeders. No, we're not going to say that. Um, but yeah, Toronto, I think, you know, in general that I, I predicted they would have been much better than they are this year. So, um, well, I, I think that's a, that's definitely a direction that Messiah needs to go given that, that, that star power that they had out of Siakam is clearly something that he needs another guy to help him reach that. And it's not going to be Gary Trent Jr. They're going to need to find, um a star another star to compliment them um i'm i'm thinking where where we go from here has to be the guys who didn't get traded lonzo staying with uh the pelicans say i mean these this is a little less awkward i'd say than uh than the atlanta hawks and john collins still having to share a house Mm -hmm. after that um but lonzo guys like uh, lowry markinen um Guys like even to a certain degree, Malcolm Brogdon, guys who saw their names floated a, a lot. You know, it part of it, you know, it is a business, but part of it's also, you know, are these teams invested in them long term? Um, who who are you buying? These these teams that are saying they're they're committed. Are you buying that uh, that the Pelicans are really long term invested in Lonzo? I don't think so. No. No, I'm not. I'm not feeling the love between them two. I mean, if they can get Magic Johnson into a role in the Pelicans, then I think they'll commit to, to Lonzo Ball. The way he's been he's been going on about Lonzo over over the last while, but uh, I don't think they're I think they're still going to be exploring moves for him because I just don't think they believe that he is he is the point guard to 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 lead them forward with uh, behind uh, Ingram and Zion. I mean. Their <laughs> their official comment was Lonzo wants to stay here and be a Pelican. It wasn't yeah we want Lonzo to stay. Here. <laughs> it was it was such a a perfect uh, dodge that I loved that. But I I think you know he's going to command a certain value for some teams that aren't the Pelicans, and that's a value I don't think they're going to pay. I, I I think they're I think the Pelicans are betting that he's not going to command as much value as I think um, Karnaschovas is willing to pay depending on how this season goes. Cause that that's going to be the rationale for these restricted free agent guys. Their, their value is so low in the trade market. Cause a lot of these teams are going to look at it and be like, you know what, you're going to ask me for two first round draft picks. Well, I'm just going to offer him more money than you in the off season. So see you then. Like it, it's, it's not, it's not hard to see why these guys who I think, Two other teams have greater value. Um, they're not gonna, they're not going to uh, get these deals done at the at the break here. But um, I, I think Lonzo has a chance to actually stay there. If if other teams don't end up doing it, he, he's gonna have a chance to stay there. But um, for my boy Lowry, I, I'm I'm not so sure about that. The the way that he's you know he's his averages look like they're they're steadying, um, but over the course of the year he just hasn't produced in a way that has convinced the front office that he's their guy moving forward. I mean, Busevich is here for not just a, a short-term stint. He's going to be here long-term, and that's not a guy that they're going to get if they believe Larry Markin was the future. And I don't think it's going to take a lot for a team to to outbid them in restricted free agency unless there's a sign-in trade. I, I, I think he's going to end up getting uh, nabbed up by, who knows, Spurs, anybody else. 
it yeah, won't be able to move. There's, there's definitely going to be teams that 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 think there's something there with with uh, Larry Marklin. I think it, it's been. I don't know what way to describe his career. It just hasn't taken off like it, it probably should have, or maybe it just maybe it's just not the right fit. Maybe he's just not not the player that people thought he was going to be, or he's uh, he he kind of showed in spurts. But I think there's definitely teams out there that will still take the chance to 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 make it to go in on on, on Larry Marklin and and try and make him into the player that we thought he was going to be. But I yeah I'd agree with you there. I don't think the Bulls are going to be. Uh, too worried about keeping them or too worried of losing them to another team. Yeah, I think it, you don't know how to describe his career. This is how I've thought of it because, you know, I've, I've done a lot of thinking on Larry Markkinen's <laughs> uh, short career arc so far. And it's like you're served this delicious meal and it just has like all these awesome garnishes on it. It looks beautiful. And you take a bite and you're like, I think that's good. It, it tastes tastes good. And then you have another bite. You're like, yeah, maybe it's a little bland. You just can't tell what it is. It doesn't taste like what it is until you throw some salt on it you get that every once in a while but like every other team is is thinking okay maybe if i just have the salt maybe if i have something to add to this guy he's he's gonna be a he's gonna be something i don't know maybe that was a crazy crazy late night analogy that sounded a lot better in my head until i said it out loud <laughs> no no <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I think i like it I, 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 wait, wait, because wait. dude i mean he does things that look so good and like in the minutia when you see how he can start to stroke the ball from three and then attack closeouts at seven feet and how he can finish over guys at times when he's assertive and how he can take advantage of, of mismatches. You see that, you see flashes of that and you see that so inconsistently, like it, there's no longer, you know, I think for the bulls, this, this desire to continue this experiment, you know, if someone else wants to continue the experiment and get something out of that, you know, they, they could uncover a, a star that, wasn't really ready to unfold here in Chicago, but you know, the star in Chicago, it's clear that it's, it's, it's Levine. It's not Lowry. He's their guy. This has been something that people have been waiting for since the day that they both entered the those doors. So, um, but he he's, I'm, I'm interested to see where he's going to go. I don't know. I've, I've, have you, have you thought about that at all? I've, I've tried to take that thought out of my mind, but I know a lot of teams look at Lowry and think about, you know, maybe he could figure it out here. Yeah, it's not really something I thought about, but I definitely think to be more than a handful of teams that are going to be looking at him and thinking we can get the best out of this guy. I, don't, I can't think of any specifics. You mentioned the Spurs there. That wouldn't be that wouldn't be that wouldn't be an interesting and this an interesting call there. Uh, I'm trying to think of what what teams kind of had to have the budget and that and have the need for a player like Larry. Now I'd have to I'd have to really have a kind of a, a look a look around to see to see where he uh, where he could end up. OKC, OKC is going to be trying to steal up as much talent as possible. You know, if they if all they had to do now that the Bulls are down like a pick, they're down two picks. If they can recoup some first round uh, draft assets by trading off Lowry for, say, uh, a protected first round pick. And um, I'm not sure what else. Like, I think the Bulls would do that. They, They would sign and trade that for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that 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 that's definitely true. I think that that'd be a smart way for them to try and recoup a bit of the the uh, the trade capital that they've given up. Um, I just kind of hope he goes somewhere with a team that are willing to commit to him. That's one thing. I I don't think his career is dead in the water. I think he's still there's still potential there to be 
to be a player in this league. And I just, I'd like to see him at least get a year with a team that are willing to kind of commit to him and, and try to mm-hmm. get the best out of him. Yeah. Um, another team slash guys that, that didn't get wooed and didn't really do a whole lot of activity is the Sacramento Kings. I mean, they, they made that deal sending off a Nemanja to uh, Miami um, who I'm very surprised. I mean, he's having a career lows in three point percentage and attempts and minutes. He's just really on the, on the decline. So it's interesting to see if he'll end up being any value to the heat, if they can replace that uh, Kelly Olenek role that they had him there. Um, but on the other end, um, Sacramento, they get Mo Harkless, Chris Silva, you know, it's a small move for a team that, um, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't sure what they were going to do with this deadline, but you heard Bagley, you heard Barnes, you heard those names floated around and Celtics who were desperate to, to make a move too. It's, it's interesting that they didn't decide to make a move here. Maybe they're, they're just thinking to stand pat. I don't know. Yeah. I'd have to think that was the thing. I think they were probably a bit wary of making a rash decision when there wasn't enough there on the market for them to really get any value in kind of moving on any of their, their kind of their main pieces. But, and at the same time, you're like, they kind of needed to make a move just to kind of maybe even show Fox that, that little bit of something that they're willing to be aggressive and they're willing to kind of still kind of go about this in the right way. But I think, I think it was part of the right move to not do anything drastic. I think that's kind of a better move that they didn't go and try, they didn't force something through that will ultimately come back to, to slap them in the face. Mm, yeah. So I, I think that um, now they're in the Western Conference and we're running a little low on time here. We, we definitely want to talk about the other team. Um, I mean, many teams here, but a particular concern for me, the Los Angeles Lakers not making a big move. They're another team that didn't get uh, anything out of the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. Um, man, we'll talk about this more next week. And this will be, a, I think, a prediction that we can say yes or no on. But there's... A, a serious, very real, non-zero possibility that they sink to the playing tournament if Anthony Davis and LeBron James need to get healthy for the postseason. That's that's not impossible. We're talking a lot, a lot of hypotheticals here, but that is a situation that has to be creeping into their minds. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we've seen the way the team is looking without without either uh, LeBron or or AD, and I think progress is being made with Davis. I think he was uh, he was going through some warm-up routines ahead of the game, I think, on Tuesday night, which is obviously great to see. But then, obviously, they were quick to come out and say that this is just progress. There's still no return date. We still don't know when they're going to want to bring him back. But I think when you look at him, you're kind of, you're kind of looking at AD, and they're, you're kind of like, if the Lakers really thought that they needed him, they could bring him back. But I think they're comfortable just knowing that they have him at 100% come the postseason. I think that's the way that they're kind of they're playing it with Davis and probably will with LeBron as well. I think he's not, I think he's expected to miss around four to six weeks with that ankle sprain. But I think if they feel like they're they're able to, to kind of give him another two, three weeks on top of that, I think they're going to be happy to do it once they know they're still going to be in the playoffs. How far would LeBron James take it? Say it was one game from them being in the playing tournament or not, 
how, how far would you take it just to imagine just adding to that story of, of how successful a year he's had for him to be coming back. His first game is like the play in tournament. And then he has to drag the Lakers into the playoffs like that. Him dragging the Cavs did a lot for his legacy. You know, it's, is his legacy definitely shifted from when he was winning with D Wade and Chris Bosh in Miami, then going back and just bringing the cash and that when in reality, you know, he, he did have other names there, but for, for him to, to kind of add a little bit more shine to his Lakers legacy his Lakers lore for him to do something like that. That would be really interesting if he took that long to come back just to save their ass. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think the, the funniest thing about it all is if, if the Lakers are to end up say, even six, seven, or eight seed in the Western Conference, like it would just be brilliant to, to see that. And you'd have to feel so bad for the teams that are <laughs> that are facing things. They're going to get a handy, uh, a handy first rounder, and then they end up going up against AD and LeBron, uh, the, the 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 reigning champions. Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, the Grizzlies, John Moran does not deserve that. Did not deserve deserve to have the wrath of LeBron James's legacy destroy them maybe maybe their comeback guy is uh jaron jackson jr man i, I want to see him back on the court real soon but uh just th- those are things i can't wait this the way the nba is gonna start to pick up now like we've had a little bit of a lull there's a lot of injuries a lot of uh guys wondering where they're gonna be and now we know these teams are set and now we just watch these teams compete for the playoffs and the way things are gonna pick up here really interested to see how it goes but be excited to get back into that with you next week man yeah, now I think uh, we get to get to work. We'll get to analyze how, how the new look bulls are looking. It's going to be amazing. And yeah, let, let, let's hope so. We all want to see the Chicago Bulls look like a great team again. No matter what you say, they're one of the great franchises, thanks to thanks to MJ, really. But they're also one of the teams now we want to see as a top level team. And they're Chicago could do it at, at this time. Yeah, we got our we got our Kobe and Pau Gasol. We got our Levine and Vucevic. We got the next Kobe, Pau Gasol. And uh, that, that's how I'll end it right there. I'll, I hopped back in the soapbox. We'll end the podcast and I'll be on it until next week. Can't wait for, can't wait for next week to see if you're still high, as high as this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep riding it, man. But all right, man. I'll talk to you later. on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment